0: All right, ladies, we're going to get started. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Morgan. I'm the women's ministry coordinator here at Salem Alliance. Uh, So tonight's going to be a little different because, as you can see, we don't have worship tonight. And you don't see Lydia up here doing the welcome and the mixer and all the things. She's sick. And so it's just going to be a whole lot of me tonight. I'm not going to lead us in worship. But I do have some good stories. Um, so the first one I'll tell you is, I figured this out today, um, over the week, my kids have started learning how to do laundry, which they're too old to now be learning how to do it, but that's what we were doing. We're learning how, we're just taking baby steps, and what we discovered when a load came out of the dryer is also a whole pack of gum, and really, like, a whole pack of wrappers, Right, so I'm looking in the dryer and I just see all these gum smudge marks all around. And I'm like, what is that? And so I, I pull out the clothes and they're all the wrappers fall. And I'm like, oh, there's some gum. But there's not any like chunks of gum, so I'm not worried about it. So today in staff coffee, I like am doing this. Like, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this with my hand. And I feel this little thing right here and I'm like, what is that? You guys, it's gum. It's gum. So also, there's gum everywhere on this sweater. So I'm here with my gum sweater. No worship, no Lydia, no no one but me. If this is your first time to the gathering, we've been going through Psalm 23. um, And tonight, we're talking about Psalm 23.3, which says, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, And as I was looking at this verse, I was reminded of um, something that happened recently, which has not a lot to do with this verse, but maybe you can see where I'm going. So, my oldest daughter, first day of Christmas break, had her last basketball game, and in the last two minutes of her game, fell and broke her wrist. So, it was the the fushka. (laughs) Fushed. Okay, it was the distal radius, which... Maddie told me some, like, special word that I can't remember. Okay, foosh. Anyways, the distal radius. So we take her to the doctor. And, okay, okay. I tell you the, the first part, and then there's a funny part. That if I forget to tell you, if there's, like, something funny I don't tell you in the story, remind me. Yeah. So we take her to the doctor, and it's... um. It's broken, which he comes to to let us know it's broken, which we have known this now for three days because we went to the urgent care. We got x-rays, and now we're going to the pediatric clinic. So I'm not going to tell you where because of the funny part I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So we go there. We don't get to see our doctor, um, so we see a different doctor who's on call. And he comes in, and he's like, okay, we're going to put that in a cast. And I'm like, okay. So in this, he says, and I called my dad. And he said, yep, you should put that in a cast. And I'm like, okay. So you called your dad. So, so I'm going to back up a little bit. He is not a new doctor, but he is new to this clinic. But at this point, I'm just like not sure. <laughs> so he wants to put it in a cast, which here's where we're bringing this to. He restores my soul. Like the cast is what's going to restore her bone. Okay, and we're listening to the doctor because he has gone before us. He has done the study, and at least his dad has, and he's telling us what to do. So we're going to listen to him because he's kind of paved the way. So he leaves the office, comes back with a cast, and then he says, we're not going to put it in a hard cast. We're going to put it in a semi-hard cast, which is different than a splint, which I learned, which is basically a hard cast that starts right here, and it goes all the way down and around her elbow and back. And then they wrap it with this, um, like, wrap. So it's hard on top and bottom, but it's breathable on the sides. But it sticks out, like, five inches, so she can't get anything on. So she's mostly nakey for a lot of the break because she can't get her hand in a shirt. And it was painful to, like, push it through anything hurt pretty bad. So, okay, the funny part of the story. The first is that he called his dad, and we're like, is that, like, what we do? So in our, in our appointment, he gets three phone calls. He ignores the first two. The third one, he's wrapping Esther's arm. He takes the phone call, and he says, okay, I'll be right back. And I'm like 90% sure on the other end of this phone, someone said, how's your brother? <laughs> and I was like, how's your brother? So now I'm curious, how's your brother? Like, what's going on with your brother? So he's gone, and he comes back, and Esther's arm is halfway wrapped And when he comes back in, he's like, okay, that was my dad. He thinks four weeks is going to be plenty of time to heal her arm. And I'm like, okay. He's like, but I did Google it also. And Google says four to six weeks. So I figure between the four to six weeks and my dad that we're going to be fine at four weeks. And so here we are. (laughs) Like, he restores my soul, and he's going to restore Esther's arm, whether, like, The doctor, so we're going back on the 23rd at week four to see if her arm is healed up enough to take the cast off. And as all I'm saying is I'm not going back to this doctor. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm sure he's a great doctor. And his dad is a great doctor. And Google is a great doctor. Like we all can find our answers from all of these people. But when you're sitting in there with your daughter with a broken arm and you're like Google and your dad and you're like, are you, am I going to be in the middle of a lawsuit soon? Okay, I'm going pr- to pray before we get started any further. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for humor. Thank you for friendship and relationship. God, I just thank you for each person who walked through this door. And God, I just trust that you will speak to each of us. God, whether it's from something that I've said or just the ways that you are being present here tonight. God, I just pray that each of us get to leave with something new that you've put on our heart tonight. We pray these things in your name. Amen. No, he's a retired pediatric orthopedic. So honestly, I trust him. <laughs> All right. So Psalm 23.3, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul, meaning he brings back. brings back from our, He brings us back to him from our wandering when we go astray. This describes the sinfulness of our hearts. It looks different for each of us, but we've all turned from God and to go in our own direction. We sing about it, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There are the times in our lives when we see the things that God is asking us to do or directing us towards, and yet we go this way when God is taking us this way, and yet God brings us back. Sometimes the things that God restores are not the things that we've done, but the things that have been done to us or their illnesses. In the New Testament, we see Jesus live a ministry of restoration. He restores sight to the blind, the ability to walk to the crippled, healing to the deaf, hearing to the deaf, new skin to the disease. In all of these accounts, Jesus doesn't just heal a condition. He restores their soul, their life, security, and hope. And these things are all true for us, too. Do you guys ever have those moments when a memory comes back and you're like, oh, that's grief, and then it goes away? And then maybe it's a year, like, that memory comes back and there's grief and then it goes away. And I don't always think it's bad when they go away. Like, I do believe that God will bring things up and he will keep the things present that he wants us to work on when he's, you know, when we're ready to work on them. But often these things will come up and they go and they come up again. And sometimes, at least for me, they've come up so many times that I'm like, they come up and it's just a memory. And yet if I sit with it, there's grief. And a memory came up over Christmas break. And I didn't realize that there was any grief attached to it until I sat with it. And it was Christmas Eve night and I was filling stockings for our girls. And I was reminded back to my childhood when my brother and I lived with my mom. She was a single parent. She was also an alcoholic. So this particular memory that came up, and I don't actually know if this is what every Christmas Eve was like, but there's this one particular memory that came up on a Christmas Eve when we had just got back from holiday parties with my mom's side of the family, and my mom had been drinking, and she, was, she wasn't a, um, like you didn't know she was drinking. She hid it quite a bit. So but when we got home, she had been pretty drunk, and she passed out. And so it was Christmas Eve, which my brother and I know, like, Santa's going to feel the stockings, which we know wasn't what was happening. Like, we knew my mom did it, but we still were like, wait, that's not going to happen for us this year. So my brother and I decided to, like, look through the whole house, and, like, we're going to find the stocking stuff for things, and we'll fill them ourselves. And so in some ways, my brother and I had fun doing that. Like, we ended up finding the Christmas presents, and we found the bag of you know, stocking stuffers, and we pulled it all out, and we dumped it on the bed, and we just decided what we wanted to put in our own stockings, (laughs) Um, and so we filled our stockings, and the next morning we had stockings, and you know, and my mom, she never, we didn't talk about it, right, so like it wasn't odd, like it was odd, but like there wasn't conversation about like how did our stockings get filled, you know, and honestly, I don't know if she thought that maybe she did it, you know, and like that she was coherent enough at some point to do it, Or not, and my brother and I never talked about it, and we never talked with her about it. It just kind of happened. But what was funny was this year, when I was filling the girl's stockings, it came up. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of grief here. And I'm not sure what the grief is, but the ways that God gets to restore me in that grief is that I get to sit and I get to remember what my mom would have been doing had she been healthy. As I'm stuffing things into the girl's stocking, I get to remember back to, the, to my mom, and trust that had she not been addicted to alcohol, that she would have been having fun filling our stockings, and we would have woke up that morning, Christmas morning, and had our stockings filled, and so while that moment has come back many times over the years, it wasn't until this year that I was like, oh, there's some restoring that could be done here, and I don't know that, like, I don't stand here today and say, like, oh, God restored that in me. But it's a process, it's a journey that I'm on. And so there are some of those things. And so I don't know if any of you have had one of those moments. But what I love about what David says in Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. It doesn't say he restored my soul, it doesn't say he will restore my soul, but he restores my soul each time I come back to him. So how do we experience this restoring? Psalm 23.3 in the message says, True to your word, you let me catch my breath, and you send me in the right direction. There's something about that idea of you let me catch my breath. There's a lot of ways that um, I believe God restores our soul. But a couple of the things that um, Holy Spirit brought to me was a couple passages. One was Matthew 11, 28, and 29 Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In a lot of ways, this feels really simple. Come to me. Just come to me. Not come to me with anything, but you. Just come to me. The next one that um, I feel like Holy Spirit brought up to me was Isaiah 51, starting in verse 1. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. I think for me, and maybe for some of you tonight, it was the reminder of just come to me. And this one, come to me, even if you have no money. You have nothing to offer Jesus. Just come to me. Listen to me. There's this repetitive, come to me, listen to me. Come to me. And listen to me and you will find life. And we'd be remiss to not acknowledge that um, there are some places in our story that we haven't experienced restoration. And there are places in our story that we may never on this side of heaven. But I was reading something today that I felt like was so fitting um, out of the book of Common Courage. And this is just like a, I don't know what you call this, an entry. But I thought it was pretty fitting, and it really spoke to me, so I decided to add this in tonight. Be gentle toward all that remains unhealed in you. The space between today's hurt and tomorrow's healing is sacred ground. Each step you take, but a foothill on a path, Christ already walked before you. Each breath you take is one the Spirit breathes in you. Time and space are nothing to God and grace. Be hospitable toward all that still hurts. Maybe even linger. There is a friend within all that is unfinished. Restoring happens when we're present and we're active in the process. When God says, come to me, there's an action that we take, that we get to walk to him. There isn't any obligation to bring anything but there's action, there's a way that we get to be um, present, and we get to be in the process. So tonight we're going to try something, and I don't know if it's going to work, I'm hoping it does. Has anyone heard of cardboard testimonies? So a cardboard testimony is on your table, there are these note cards, so we're going to call them note card testimonies, So there's these cards on the table and what we're going to do is I'm going to give all of us a good amount of time and we're going to, on one side of the card, you're going to write a situation or a state you were in before God restored you or maybe that situation or that circumstance. And on the other side, you're going to write where you are now. So there's, and you're going to use as few words as possible. So some examples would be, Um, like, I felt broken. And on the other side, you would say, I feel restored. On one side, you might say, I was addicted to fill in the blank. And on the other side, you might say, found freedom in Christ. You know, on one side, you might say, I have a closed heart, had a closed heart. And on the other side, my heart's open to God's leading. So I'm going to give you a lot of time to just think about a time in your life, a situation, a circumstance that maybe had some grief attached to it and write that down with as few words as possible. And on the other side, you're going to write how God restored you. I remember the first time I did this, I was at a Young Life camp and um, we wrote them on cardboard and then everyone, when it was leaders, and then everyone got up on stage and you, you you took a turn sharing like, This is where I was, and now this is how God met me. And the first time I did it was so powerful to me because it was the first time that I had talked about my life as much as I did. And it was like, so if some of you don't know, my mom committed suicide right before my freshman year of high school. So when I went to Young Life Camp, this was the first time I shared. And what I shared was, on one side it said, mom committed suicide, dad walked out. And on the other side it said, God met me where I was at. And that was the beginning of me recognizing that, oh, God, in all of those seasons and all of those circumstances and all of those days I lived in fear, you met me. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to spend a little bit of time before we continue into this verse, just thinking about our own personal cardboard testimony, and then I'll give you some time at your table to share, but I'm going to give us a good amount of time. Jared will put on some music, and you can just think of a time in your life that has, um, you know, maybe a time that God has restored. You can put on one side what it was and how God restored you on the other. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Thank you for engaging with that. Um, I can imagine that could have hit some tender spots, so thank you for engaging and being brave and sharing with your table. We're going to head to the next part. We will come back to these in a few in a little bit so the next part of this verse he leads me in paths of righteousness the hebrew verb for lead is guide there's movement it's like god's grabbing your hand and paving the way and walking before you and pulling you behind him it's not always easy and i think we all know that but there's a guide I was reminded of it um, the day after I got engaged. I fled the country, and I went to Canada on a backpacking trip. And we—it was through—it was a young life camp, Malibu, up in Canada. And I went on this. It was a seven-day backpacking trip. And as we're going on this hike, that's we're climbing 6,700 feet. And so this is one of those ones that you have, like, an ice pack and a helmet, and there are times we're hiking through snow, and so we have to, like, link up with 10 other people so that if you fall through a crevasse, you don't die. They can, like, catch you. I mean, it was, like, intense. Um, But as we're going, there were so many times that our guide would, like, lead us way over here and then way over here. And I'm like, but straight up is, like, so much faster. And so, but we all just kind of, you know, do this, and we just go to the next switchback, and we go. And you can kind of see these other trails that, like, maybe other people tried this. Um, But we're not doing it, so there must be a reason we're, you know, that they've tried. Anyway, so I was reminded of the importance of following the person who is guiding us. While I could go up the center of this trail, likely I wouldn't make it. And I only say that because we had one person who um, was a little more risky than me. And she tried a few things and had to get carried off the mountain like halfway through the trip. So she fell and messed up her ankle pretty bad. But there's an important part to following God. There's an important part to recognizing that he leads us in paths of righteousness Solomon wrote in Proverbs Proverbs 12:28, "In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death." The path of righteousness leads to life, not death, it leads to good things. We have a God who goes before us and who leads the way. He knows the way. And I will just reiterate that we also know that that's not easy. It's not always an easy and simple path, and oftentimes it's pretty bumpy, and oftentimes we're, like, way over here. You know, we're kind of on the path, but we're, like, just right outside the trail that was marked. We're just, like, a little bit outside. That's how I do a lot of life, and I don't even realize it until I get stuck, and I'm like, oh, man, God, you've been leading me here, and I've been following you, but I'm following you out here. That's the God who restores our soul. So the last part, for his name's sake. Sake being intent or purpose. For the sake of demonstrating his character, his heart for justice, love, and mercy. Restoration can be when the deepest places of pain become our highest places of impact. It's our testimonies that we get to share that tells of God's character in our lives for his name's sake. And I'm just going to say it one more time. When our deepest places of pain become our highest places of impact, that's what restoration can look like. That's why when I can stand up here and say that my mom committed suicide and my dad walked out, but God met me where I was at, and I can say it with full confidence that God met me where I was at, Have you guys seen the movie Elf? You know the part when Buddy says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. No one? Anyone? Yes? Okay. So I am going to ask us to be extra brave tonight. Like extra, extra brave. Because we get to tell of God's goodness in our life, and we don't care who knows it. And yet we do care. We want everyone to know it. So I'm going to invite all of us, if you feel comfortable, to come up and share your cardboard testimony. And you can come, get in line, and we'll just go back and forth. If you feel comfortable doing it, you can pass, and you might all pass, and that would be okay. But earlier today, when I was sitting in my office and I was thinking about tonight, I truly believe that God just gave me this vision of women lining up on both sides sharing their testimony and giving everyone in this room a faith-building opportunity. Because when we get to hear each other's stories, we get to hear more about who God is, we get to learn more about his heart, our idea and view of God expands because we only know God the way we know God. And when we get to hear about how God met others in different ways, we now understand God in a new way, therefore we get to engage with God in that way. So... I will start with mine, and if you feel comfortable coming up and sharing, then I would invite you to. There's not a hurry. There's not a rush. I saved some time. If your heart's pounding, if you're sweating, if you're unsure, maybe that's Holy Spirit just giving you a little nudge, but I'm going to start, and then I'm just going to wait patiently. We have time, so there's not a rush, but there is an invitation to come share. So mine says, abandoned. And on the other side, it says, found safety and security in God. And this has been something that's been true that I've been able to hang on to since I was a kid. And I didn't know the importance of it until I was able to share it with somebody else that it impacted. And that's when I learned, oh, my story isn't only for me. It is for me, and it's for me and God But it's also for others. So that's what we're going to do tonight. There's power in our testimonies. There's power when we get to hear how God's been restoring our soul. There's something about hearing other people's story that gives us hope. And I think hope is the thing we hang on to when we leave the room, when we think about the things God hasn't restored yet. I'm going to close by reading that little reading from this book one more time and then we're gonna I have a couple announcements but I'm in. the name of the book is the book of common courage it's all about Psalm 23 everything in here is just about Psalm 23 so as we think about the things in our life that hasn't been restored yet remember this Be gentle toward all that remains unhealed in you. The space between today's hurt and tomorrow's healing is sacred ground. Each step you take is but a footfall on a path Christ already walked before you. Each breath you take is one the Spirit breathes in you. Time and space are nothing to God and grace. Be hospitable towards all that still hurts. Maybe even linger. There is a friend within all that is unfinished. Amen.